0: In this episode of the Godly Wood Girl Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study, we are diving into Genesis chapter 23 through 27. I'm Stephanie Rodness, and welcome to the Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study. My goal is to encourage the discouraged with Scripture, inspiration, and resources to help you do exactly what God purposed you to do on this earth become a Christian entrepreneur. The definition of a Godlywood girl is a woman of Christ who says yes to her God-given purpose, no matter what everyone else tries to say or do. So if you are stepping into your purpose as a Christian entrepreneur, welcome to the Godlywood girl sisterhood. You are my people and I can't wait to meet you. Now let's dive into today's episode. And remember, if you wanna join me for these live recordings of Godlywood girl's Instagram feed, join me at Godlywood girl on Instagram now. Let's dive right in. Let's get started with the word of prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to read your word and hear what you have to say. Lord Jesus, the things that you reveal in the book of Genesis are absolutely incredible. And I'm just so grateful that you've given us your word to be able to study and look for and see clues for how you want us to step into our purpose as Christian entrepreneurs. So thank you so much, Father God, for the opportunity. I pray you bless the reading of your word. Help us be able to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, sisters. So we are getting into the transition period in the book of Genesis. So we're about to transition from the story of Abraham to his kids, right? We're going to see what happens when Isaac, right, meets his lady. We're going to see what happens when Isaac has kids too, And what I love most about these next five chapters is that there's so much to learn about forgiveness and repentance and how if we're not perfect, that doesn't mean God's blessing is taken away from our lives. If anything, through these stories we're about to read of our founding fathers, right, of the Christian faith, that, you know what, even if we are chosen and anointed and prophets, we still can mess up. We still can sin. We still can get it wrong. But what's so beautiful is that God's promise still stays with us. It still stays with us, and that's what we're gonna see so many times through the stories of Abraham's descendants. So be encouraged. If there's something that you know, you've been dealing with in your life, whether it's a sin or a temptation or a challenge or an obstacle or a setback, know that Jesus is with you, and his promise on you does not end just because you mess up. His promise on me doesn't end just because I mess up. He died on the cross so that we can have eternal life no matter what. So at the end of the day, if a mistake was made, apologize, ask for forgiveness, repent, and keep it moving because God's promise on you never, ever ends. So let's start with Genesis chapter 23. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died in the city of Kirathet Arba, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Abraham was very sad and cried for her there. Then he left his dead wife and went to talk to the Hittites. He said, I'm only a foreigner staying in your country. I have no place to bury my wife. Please give me some land so that I can bury her. The Hittites answered Abraham, Sir, you are a great leader among us. You can have the best place we have to bury your dead. You can have any of our burying places that you want. None of us will stop you from burying your wife there. Abraham got up and bowed to the people. He said to them, If you really want to help me bury my dead wife, speak to Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me. I would like to buy the cave of Malachach, which belongs to Ephron. It is at the end of his field. I will pay him the full price. I want all of you to be witnesses that I am buying it as a burial place. Ephron was sitting there among the people, and he answered Abraham, No, sir. Here in front of my people, I give you that land and the cave in it so that you can bury your wife. Abraham bowed before the Hittites, and he said to Ephron before all the people, but I want to give you the full price for the field. Accept my money, and I will bury my dead. Ephron answered Abraham, Sir, listen to me. Ten pounds of silver mean nothing to you or me. Take the land and bury your dead wife. Abraham understood that Ephron was telling him the price of the land, so Abraham paid him for the land. He weighed out 10 pounds of silver for Ephron and gave it to the merchant. So the field of Ephron changed owners. This field was the Malpala near Mamre. Abraham became the owner of the field, the cave in it, and all the trees in the field. Everyone in the city saw the agreement between Ephron and Abraham. After this, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave of that field near Mamre Hebron. In the land of Canaan, Abraham bought the field and the cave in it from the Hittites. So this became his property to be used as a burial place. Now that's chapter 23. And this is going to sound really surprising, but one of the biggest lessons that I get from Genesis 23 is this idea of ownership, no matter what the circumstance or the situation. So later on, when you read the book of Exodus and you start reading about the Israelites and where they bury their people, this land that Abraham purchased to bury Sarah ends up being where he is buried and some of his ancestors. They actually take the bones of the ancestors from Egypt and go back to this place that Abraham purchased and bury these great founding fathers there. And it really struck out to me because So many of us, when we're in a situation of grief and challenge and torment, we just kind of think about the quickest thing, right? Just get it done quickly. Let me not think about this biblically. Let me not think about this like, uh, you know, with, with data and with logic. Let me just make the quickest decision and get it done because I'm feeling really emotional and overwhelmed right now. But Abraham didn't do that. Abraham was devastated that Sarah passed away devastated. This was his number two, right? This was his ride or die. This was the woman who he left his land with and has been in the desert with and has gone to all these different places. He's been to Egypt with her. They've grown wealth together. Like this is his number two and she's now gone. And he could have made an emotional decision and said, oh my goodness. Okay, cool. Just let me, just let me get this land for free you know what I mean? And put my wife here and all this stuff so I can just spend time grieving. But he understood long term that if he takes this for free, people can come back and say, oh, no, 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 that's not yours. You never paid for it. It was never really a legal exchange of goods or anything like that. So we taking it back. He understood long term that he was an owner. He was meant to possess the land. So even in the grief, he still remembered his promise. He still remembered his blessing. So when Ephron said, no, 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 you can take the land for free because the Hittites, they really respected him. And they were like, no, we're going to hook you up, bro. But just because they, the current leaders, respected him didn't mean their children would or their children's children. So Abraham was thinking about his promise, what God had told him that he was meant to possess the land, right? So he's like, nah, Ephron, let me give you 10 pounds and I now own this land. So for us as Christian entrepreneurs, when things go wrong, When things go unexpected and we're feeling emotional and there's an opportunity to kind of take a quick, thick shortcut, don't do that. Remember your promise. Remember what God has for you. Remember the vision that he placed on your heart and make decisions that take you closer to fulfilling that destiny. I'm telling you, sis, there will constantly be distractions trying to keep you from becoming exactly who God meant you to be. And this is what happened here. Abraham was supposed to possess the land, and here he was about to be given a situation where that land would be taken back, that he didn't really have ownership of it, right? He remembered his promise, and I want you to remember yours. For me, God has been very, very clear to me what he wants me to do here at Godlywood Girl. The vision is Godlywood Girl Missions. Everything that I'm doing right now is for Godwood Girl Missions to get up and running. By the grace of Jesus to be the hands and feet of Christ on this earth. And God that would grow missions is a not-for-profit and the goals of the not-for-profit are to first eliminate poverty, second eliminate illiteracy, third share the gospel of Christ. I'm a big believer in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow is um, a researcher, a scientist, and he just states that basically you can't really solve people's emotional or spiritual needs until their physical needs are met, right? If somebody is starving and their stomach is in so much pain from hunger and you try to present the gospel of Christ to them, well, are they really going to be open to receiving that because they're starving and that's all they can think about right now? So you want to get rid of that or you want to solve that physical need and then go ahead and share the gospel of Christ. And even if in the word of God, if you look at how Jesus would heal people, right, from their physical handicaps and physical traumas, and then those people would be like, yo, tell me more about this gospel, right? Because if I'm blind and I'm a beggar or I can't walk and you tell me about this gospel of Christ, well, that's great. But right now I'm blind. I'm a beggar. I can't walk. <laughs> so you solve that physical need and then that opens the door for you to solve the spiritual need, which is presenting the gospel of Christ. So that's the goal of God that Wood missions is to literally be a billion dollar not for profit to be able to solve those physical needs for people all around the globe and in doing so in turn, sharing the gospel of Christ with them, understanding that this literally came from Jesus Himself. He put this not-for-profit here and this is how you can get to know Him, right? That is the vision God has given me. I see it so clearly, (laughs) I've seen it so clearly since I was 14 years old and I know by the grace of Jesus that that's why I'm put here. So a lot of times, though, let me tell you, sis, a lot of times people will come over to me with these ideas, with these ideas to come sit on the board for their not for profit. Oh, we're doing this and we're doing that and you can join this ministry and you can do that and you can go for this organization and they sound beautiful. They really do sound beautiful. There is nothing wrong with them. It's just for me, I know the vision God gave me. So if I come and join your vision, your organization, your mission, and put all my heart and soul into what God gave you, who's gonna put their heart and soul into what God gave me, right? The other options may not be bad options, but there's are still wrong options if they are taking you away from what God gave you to do. So be clear about the vision God gave you. Be clear for what He put you on this earth to do. And that way, even in emotional decisions, when things go wrong, because like I said, Abraham lost his wife. Like, yo, that is emotional trauma right there. He lost his wife. But even in that, in that emotion distress, He still remembered the promise. He still took ownership of the land because that's the promise God gave him. So I want you, even now, as you're listening to this podcast episode, write down what is the promise God gave you? What is the vision he put on your life as a Christian entrepreneur? Write that down. And then when you're making decisions, invite the Holy Spirit in and ask him to direct you and guide you to make the decisions that lead you closer to achieving that promise. So Genesis chapter 24. Abraham lived to be a very old man. The Lord blessed him and everything that he did. Abraham's oldest servant was in charge of everything he owns. Abraham called that servant to him and said, put your hand under my leg. So this was a symbol back then of like making a really, really solid promise to somebody like saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, right? <laughs> Verse three, now I want you to make a promise to me promise to me before the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that she will not allow my son to marry a girl from Canaan. We live among these people, but don't let him marry a Canaanite girl. Go back to my country, to my own people, to find a wife for my son Isaac. Bring her here to him. The servant said to him, maybe this woman will not want to come back with me to this land. If that happens, should I take your son with me to your homeland? Abraham said to him, No, do not take my son to that place. The Lord, the God of heaven, brought me from my homeland to this place. That place was the home of my father and the home of my family. But he promised that this new land would belong to my family. May he send his angel before you such so you can choose a wife for my son. If the girl refuses to come with you, you will be free from this promise, but you must not take my son back to that place. So the servant put his hand under his master's leg and made the promise. Says, when I read this scripture, I got chills <laughs> because the, the this and the that, right? The this and the that. That's what I kept thinking. That's was the easy place. That was the old place. That was the familiar territory, the comfortable, what I've known my entire life, what I'm so familiar with. What If I go back there, I know things will be easy, right? That's the that. The this is the land that's unfamiliar, the land that's uncomfortable, the land where I'm not quite sure my footiness. but this is where the promise is. And Abraham was so clear my son belongs in the this. That is where I used to be. This is where my legacy lives. And even in his old age, he knew the vision God gave him. He was so clear on it, he said, do not let my son marry somebody outside of this, right? Don't let him marry somebody outside of this promise that was in store. I want you to go find a girl who comes from my original bloodline (laughs) and bring her to this. Don't take my my son to that. (laughs) Go to that, grab her, and bring her to this. And that is how the legacy God gave me will come to pass. Abraham was still taking care of business. He was still doing God's work even in his old age. He was still making sure that the promise God gave him, he was making decisions to align with that promise. And I got so encouraged by that Because a lot of times when we have the opportunity to grow as Christian entrepreneurs, it's scary. Sis, it's scary. We're like, ooh, that over there was familiar, right? What what I've been doing this whole time. It's familiar. I know it. But this right here, this opportunity, this new vision God has given me, I don't know what I'm doing. I know how it's gonna happen. <laughs> so it's so much more comfortable to sit in that, that that you know, that that you've been doing already, that that has already existed for you. But my love, move into this. Whatever God is calling you to do, whatever that promises, that new vision is, that new step he wants you to take, that new territory he wants you to go into, move into this because that is how your legacy will come to pass. Abraham knew. God told him not only would he possess this land, but that he would have so many descendants you wouldn't even be able to count them. They'd be like the stars in the sky, that's how many. So he knew that if he got a child or a wife for his son into this, that that legacy would come to pass. My love, you may not know all the steps, You may not know exactly what comes fourth, fifth, or sixth, but I'll promise you this, you know what comes first. I know that in this, this new vision territory God has given you, you know the first thing you need to do. You know it and I know you know it (laughs) because God always abundantly supplies your needs according to his will, right? According to his riches. He always supplies your needs. So you know what you need to do first. That is all you're responsible for. Abraham didn't know exactly who was going to be Isaac's wife. He didn't know exactly who the servant was going to choose, but he had faith and he knew God would go before him. He even says, may the angel of the Lord go before you. He had faith that God would work out the details. He just knew what step he needed to take right now in the this. Get my my son a wife. Don't let it be a Canaanite. (laughs) Get my son a wife from my own people, the people who worship the God that I serve. That's who you need to get. He knew that first step he needed to go. And he's an old man, so he couldn't go himself. So he had his servant, his trusted servant, make that promise to him. What's the first step you need to take, sis? Write that down and take action on it. And when you do, God will reveal the next step for you. Don't stay comfortable in the familiar of that. It's time to get uncomfortable and take that first step and move into this, the promise God has for you. Verse 10, the servant took 10 of Abraham's camels and left that place. The servant carried with him many different kinds of beautiful gifts. He went to Mesopotamia, to Nahor city in the evening when the women came out to get water, he went to the well outside the city. He made the camels kneel down at the well. The servant said, Lord, Lord, You are the God of my master Abraham. Please show your kindness to my master by helping me find a wife for his son Isaac. Here I am, standing by this well of water, and the young women from the city are coming out to get water. I will say to one of them, Please put your jar down so that I can drink. Let her answer show whether she is the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. If she says, Drink, and I will also give water to your camels, I will know that she is the right one it will be proof that you have shown kindness to my master. Verse 15. Before the servant finished praying, a young woman named Rebekah came to the well. She was the daughter of Bethuel. Bethuel was the son of Milcah and Nahor, Abraham's brother. So basically, uh, she is Abraham's niece. So Re- Rebekah came to the well with her water jar on her shoulder. She was very pretty. She was a virgin. No man had ever had sexual relations with her. She went down to the well and filled her jar. Then the servant ran to her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. Rebecca quickly lowered the jar from her shoulder, shoulder and gave him a drink. She said, Drink this, sir. As soon as she finished giving him something to drink, Rebecca said, I will also pour some water for your camels. So Rebecca quickly poured all the water from her jar into the drinking trough for the camels. Then she ran to the well to get more water and she gave water to all the camels. That's what I love Rebecca. She, she's a hustler. She a hard worker. She will grind when she needs to. I have so much respect for this girl. (laughs) Verse 21, the servant quietly watched her. He wanted to be sure that the Lord had given him an answer and had made his trip successful. After the camels finished drinking, he gave Rebekah a gold ring that weighed a, a fourth ounce. He also gave her two gold arm bracelets that weighed two ounces each. And the servant asked, Who is your father? And is there a place in your father's house for me and my men to sleep? Rebekah answered, My father is Bethuel, the son of Milcah and Nahor. Then she said, Yes, we have straw and other food for your camels and a place for you to sleep. The servant bowed and worshipped the Lord. He said praise be to the lord the god of my master abraham the lord has been kind and loyal to him by leading me to his own people so i'm going to pause there at verse 27 because i want to encourage you girls and and i'm saying this to myself as well sometimes when we pray to the lord and ask him for something when he answers us we kind of forget to stop and say thank you we kind of forget to stop and be like yo lord you really did that thank you so much for that because this servant prayed to god and said lord god You are with Abraham. Be with me right now. Help me to do this thing Abraham wants me to do. This will be the sign that you're doing it, right? And then God answered and did give him the sign that he was doing it. And the servant didn't just say, yes, we good and keep it moving, right? Which is what most of us do when God answers our prayer. We're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we just move on to the next thing. Mm -mm. This servant in verse 27 stopped and took the time to give God praise, took the time to acknowledge him and thank him for what he had done. And so I want to encourage myself and you to make sure that we're doing this. When God asks or God answers our prayer and does what we ask, don't just be like, oh yeah, good, praise Jesus and, and move on to the next thing stop and give him praise this actually just happened this past week my husband and i we were waiting for a lab result to come in because we'd gotten our labs done and one of the numbers in the lab results all the other numbers were great praise jesus but one particular number came back as if it was a very bad number and the doctor wanted us to repeat the lab and so for the past three four weeks you know we've been praying and asking the lord to please allow the number to have just been a false reading and praise jesus this past week We retested and got the new lab result, and praise God, the old number was a false reading. So the lab, praise God, is now perfect and normal. All glory to Jesus. And I remember reading the number. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. My husband's like, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And then we called my sister-in-law because I, I, my sister-in-law is one of my best friends. And so we called my sister-in-law and I was telling her, all glory to Jesus. The number is normal. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. And her husband was listening to us. He's like, oh, we need to do a, we need to do a praise. We need to do a praise. And I was like, that's true. We should do a praise. We've been praying to Jesus about this for three weeks. You know? All I'm doing is saying, oh yeah, praise Jesus. That's awesome. But how about we give him a word of praise? How about we stop what we're doing, the business of our life, and take time to acknowledge what he really did. And so uh, my sister-in-law's husband um, prayed this incredible prayer and we just all stopped to give God glory for what he did. And I was like, yo, I need to make sure that in my life, I am acknowledging Jesus and giving him true praise from my heart, right? From my heart, spending time with him to say thank you. I spend so much time asking him for stuff How much time do I spend thanking him for stuff? How much time do I spend in gratitude, and humble gratitude, just saying, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, giving him songs of praise, worshiping him in spirit and truth, thanking him for all that he has done and all he continues to do. So I encourage you to do that in your own lives as well. And I'm speaking to myself. (laughs) I'm speaking to myself and I praise God for that example that, you know, my brother-in-law showed me to stop and give God praise. Verse 28, then Rebekah ran and told her family about all these things. She had a brother named Laban. She told him what the man had said to her. Laban was listening to her. And when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, he ran out to the well. And I want you to remember Laban. There the man was standing by the camels at the well. Laban said, sir, you are welcome to come in. You don't have to stand outside here. I've prepared a room for you to sleep in and a place for your camels. So Abraham's servant went into the house. Laban unloaded his camels and gave them straw and feed. Then he gave Abraham's servant water, so that he and the men with him could wash their feet. Laban then gave him food to eat, but the servant refused to eat. He said, I will not eat until I've told you why I came. So Laban said, then tell us. Verse 34, the servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master in everything. My master has become a great man. The Lord has given him many flocks of sheep and herds of cattle. He has much silver and gold and many servants. He has many camels and donkeys. Sarah was my master's wife. When she was very old, she gave birth to a son, and my master has given everything he owns to that son. My master forced me to make a promise to him. He said to me, You must not allow my son to marry a girl from Canaan. We live among these people, But I don't want him to marry one of the Canaanite girls. So you must promise to go to my father's country, go to my family, and choose a wife for my son. I said to my master, maybe the woman will not come back to this place with me. But my master said to me, I serve the Lord, and he will send his angel with you and help you. You will find a wife for my son among my people there. But if you go to my father's country, and they refuse to give you a wife for my son, you will be free from this promise. Verse 42. Today I came to this well and said, Lord, God of my master Abraham, please make my trip successful. I will stand by this well and wait for a young woman to come to get water. Then I will say, please give me water from your jar to drink. The right woman will answer in a special way. She will say, drink this water and I will also get water for your camels. That way I will know that she's the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finish praying, don't you love that? How Jesus be sending answers even before while you're still praying. He's st- he already sent the answer. Praise God. Verse 45. Before I finished praying, Rebecca came out to the well to get water. She had her water jar on her shoulder as she went to get water from the well. I asked her to give me some water. She quickly lowered the jar from her shoulder and poured me some water. Then she said, drink this and I'll get some water for your camels. So I drank the water and she gave water to my camels. Then I asked her. Who's your father? She answered, My father is Bethiel, the son of Milcah and Nahor. Then I gave her the ring and bracelets for her arms. I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham. I thanked him for leading me straight to the granddaughter of my master's brother. Now tell me, will you be kind and loyal to my master and give him your daughter? Or will you refuse to give her to him? Tell me so that I will know what I should do. Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethel answered, We see that this is from the Lord, so there's nothing we can say to change it. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. Let her marry your master's son. This is what the Lord wants. When Abraham's servant heard this, he bowed to the ground before the Lord. Then he gave Rebekah the gifts he bought. He gave her beautiful clothes and gold and silver jewelry. He also gave expensive gifts to her mother and brother. Then he and his men had something to eat and drink, and they spent the night there. Early the next morning, they got up and the servant said, Now we must go back to my master. Rebecca's mother and her brother said, Let Rebecca stay with us for a short time. Let her stay with us ten days. After that, she can go. But the servant said to them, Don't make me wait. The Lord has made my trip successful. Now let me go back to my master. Rebecca's brother and mother said, We will call Rebecca and ask her what she wants to do. They called her and asked her, Do you want to go with this man now? Rebecca said, Yes. I will go. I'm telling you, sisters, Rebecca's a real one. She knows God when she sees him. She really does. Verse 59. So they allowed Rebecca to go with Abraham's servant and his men. Her nurse also went with them. While Rebecca was leaving, they said to her, Our sister, may you be the mother of millions of people, and may your descendants defeat their enemies and take their cities. Then Rebecca and her nurse got on the camels and followed the servant and his men. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Isaac had left beer lehi Roy and was now living in the Negev. One evening, he went out to the field to think. He looked up and saw the camels coming from far away. Rebecca also looked and saw Isaac. Then she jumped down from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is that young man walking in the field to meet us? You know he was fine if she jumped off the camel. You know Isaac was real fine. <laughs> the servant said, that is my master's son. So Rebecca covered her face with her veil. The servant told Isaac everything that had happened. Then Isaac brought the girl into his mother's tent. Rebecca became his wife that day. Isaac loved her very much, so he's comforted after his mother's death. All right, so thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Let's pause for a moment for today's sponsor. Hey, sis. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to pop in really quick and say today's episode is sponsored by my website, godthewoodgirl.com. So godthewoodgirl.com is a website that connects women of Christ with the resources they need to step into their God-given purpose as Christian entrepreneurs. So if you're looking for those resources to help you get started or to help you grow and scale your business online, make sure you check out godthewoodgirl.com and use discount code PURPOSE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Let's jump back into the episode. Genesis chapter 25. Abraham married again. His new wife was named Keturah. She gave birth to Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The people of Asher, Liam, and Litush were descendants of Dedan. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephra, Hanok, Abida, and Eldah. All these sons came from the marriage of Abraham and Ketur. Before Abraham died, he gave some gifts to his sons who were from a slave woman. He sent them to the east, away from Isaac. Then Abraham gave everything he owned to Isaac. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. Then he grew weak and died. He had lived a long life. Uh, sorry. He had lived a long and satisfying life. Hey, Amen. That's such a blessing from God. He had lived a long and satisfying life. He died and went to be with his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. This cave is the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar. It was east of Mamre. This is the same cave that Abraham bought from the Hittites. He was buried there with his wife Sarah. After Abraham died, God blessed Isaac. Isaac was living at Beer Lahai Roy. So I just want to pause and just say, if you look at verse 9, his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, that means that they came together, sisters. Isn't that beautiful? these boys came together, even though their mamas. Remember, Sarah and Hagar was getting on each other. And then Sarah sent out Hagar. Hagar went into the desert. She thought her and her son were going to die. God interceded and was like, now nah, I'm going to take care of you. Ishmael is going to be a huge nation as well. I love that Isaac and Ishmael came together. Um, and it's just a beautiful example of how we can really bury the hatchet and come together to do something in honor of the one true God. Verse seven. Abraham. Sorry, I already read that. Verse 12. This is the list of Ishmael's family. Ishmael was Abraham and Hagar's son. Hagar was Sarah's Egyptian maid. These are the names of Ishmael's sons. The first son was Nebiath. Then Kedar was born. Then Adbeel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima, Jator, Naphish, and Kedema. These were the name of Ishmael's sons. Each son had his own camp that became a small town. The twelve sons were leaders over their own people. Ishmael lived to be 137 years old, then he died and went to be with his people. His descendants settled throughout the desert area from Havilah to Shur. This area begins near Egypt and goes towards Assyria. Ishmael's people were often at war with the other descendants of Abraham, and as you girls know from history, that still continues today, unfortunately. Verse 19, this is the story of Isaac. Abraham had a son named Isaac. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. Rebekah was from Padon Aram. She was Bethuel's daughter and the sister of Laban, the Armenian. Now, again, keep in mind, Laban going to come back later on, okay? <laughs> Verse 21, Isaac's wife could not have children. So Isaac prayed to the Lord for her. The Lord heard Isaac's prayer and he allowed Rebekah to become pregnant. Now, isn't that so interesting? Remember, Sarah couldn't have children either. Um, And that's why she had Hagar sleep with Abraham in order to get started God's promise, right? Sarah tried to jumpstart God's own promise. (laughs) But what's so interesting about Isaac and Rebecca is I feel like they stopped that generational curse. And, And Isaac recognized like, nah, I saw what happened with my parents and my brother Ishmael. He's like, we ain't going there. We're going to go ahead and just go directly to the source and ask the Lord Jesus to continue this promise that he already started with Abraham. And the Lord heard Isaac's prayer and he allowed Rebecca to become pregnant. So for me, that is the epitome of a good husband's example. (laughs) Isaac showed Rebecca, we don't got to take this into our own hands. We bring it to the Lord. We submit to the Lord. And that is just what's so beautiful. Verse 22, while Rebecca was pregnant, the babies inside her struggled with one another. And she prayed to the Lord and said, what is happening to me? The Lord said to her, the leaders of two nations are in your body. Two nations will come from you and they will be divided. One of them will be stronger and the older will serve the younger. So God told her in advance, sisters, what was going to happen with Jacob and Esau. If you already know the story, those are her son's name. And I love that because a lot of times on our purpose journey, God will reveal to us what's going to happen. We just don't want to accept it. (laughs) He's already put on our hearts and given us in our gut instinct what we know is going to come to pass. But because for us, we're a little scared of it or intimidated by it, We deny it. We literally live in denial. Even if you know, you know in your heart of hearts, you've known since you were a little girl that you were meant to be a successful business owner, right, a successful entrepreneur. As an adult, because of maybe what people have said to you or some intimidations or self-doubts that you have, instead of you accepting that that is what God told you since you were a tiny little child, you doubt it and instead end up doing that self-sabotage thing and messing yourself up so it doesn't happen. That's what happened to me. God has revealed to me since I was a child I was supposed to be successful as a business owner. Since I was a kid, I knew I was going to be a successful writer. But because people told to me in my teen told me in my teen teenagers that I was going to fail, I took that self-limiting belief into my career. And every time I had an opportunity to actually succeed, I would sabotage it because I didn't really believe it. And what you want to make sure you do is when God has revealed something to you of what is going to happen, you believe it. Even if things don't look like it's actually going to happen, sis, you continue to hold on to that promise. And that's what Rebecca ended up doing. Verse 24, when the right time came, Rebecca gave birth to twins. The first baby was red. His skin was like a hairy robe. So he was named Esau. When the second baby was born, he was holding tightly to Esau's heel. So that baby was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Jacob and Esau were born. The boys grew up. Esau became a skilled hunter who loved to be out in the fields, but Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau. He liked to eat the animals Esau killed, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And in this verse, this is verse 28. I love how the Bible points out, kind of like, Rebekah loved both her children, of course. Isaac loved both his children, of course. But what I feel like happened is that God made sure that he was setting his nation up to continue the legacy he intended. He intended for Jacob to carry on the legacy that eventually leads to Christ, right? And so he used his servant, Rebecca, to make sure Jacob was put into a position where he could take the blessing God had in store for him. Now, a lot of times, God wants to use us, right, to position us to step into our purpose and even use other people to position us to step into our purpose. But we have to have that willing heart, If you look at Rebecca, when when the servant came to get her, her brother and her mother said, hey, do you want to stay here 10 more days ago with him? She immediately wanted to go. She just had that willing spirit. She knew in her heart of hearts when God was telling her something, she wanted to take action right away. It's the same when she saw Isaac coming towards her. She got off the camel immediately. She was like, what's up? (laughs) She wasn't like, oh, let me hang out for a second. Let me do my hair, let me do, nah. She immediately steps into what God has for her. And because of that, She's able to position herself in a, in a path of purpose and we can do the exact same thing. When God reveals something to us, we say, yes, we don't hesitate. We don't delay it. She could have delayed it 10 days to be comfortable, right? We don't delay it. We step into what he's asked us to do immediately. Don't hesitate. (laughs) So verse 29, one day Esau came back from hunting. He was tired and weak from hunger. Jacob was boiling in a pot of beans. So Esau said to Jacob, I'm weak with hunger. Let me have some of that red soup. That is why people called him red. But Jacob said, you must sell me your rights as the firstborn son. Esau said, I'm almost dead with hunger. So what good are these rights to me now? But Jacob said, first, promise me that you'll give them to me. So Esau made an oath to him and sold his rights as the firstborn son to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup. Esau ate the food, had something to drink, and then left. So Esau showed that he did not care about his rights as the firstborn son. And that really stuck out to me a lot because when I first was reading the story of Jacob and Esau, I'm like, bro, that's so unfair. Like Jacob took what belonged to Esau. But then I realized why it happened. God always looks at the heart. God always looks at how we really feel within us, inside of us. And from the beginning, Esau didn't really care too much about the promise. Esau didn't really care too much about that promise. Jacob did. Jacob wanted the inheritance. Jacob wanted the birthright. Jacob had the heart for it, right? Esau didn't have that grit. He just really didn't have it. And so if you think about that kind of promise and legacy, Abraham, during the most traumatic moment of his life when he lost Sarah, right? Even in in his old age, he was still making sure that God's promise was taken care of and that he was being a good steward with what God gave him. Esau over here, he willing to sell his entire birthright for some soup. So he didn't have the same grit to hold on to that promise and take care of that birthright and to be a good steward. Jacob did. And I truly believe that's what made God choose Jacob to continue that promise of Abraham to make sure that he is Abraham's inheritance because Jacob had the heart for it and Esau did not. Verse 26 or chapter 26. Now there was a famine. This was like the famine that happened during Abraham's life. So Isaac went to the town of Gerar to King Amalbek of the Philistines. The Lord spoke to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I commanded you to live in. Stay in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you and your family all these lands. I will do what I promised to Abraham, your father. I will make your family as many as the stars of heaven, and I will give all these lands to your family. Through your descendants, every nation on the earth will be blessed. I will do this because your father Abraham obeyed my words and did what I said. He obeyed my commands, my laws, and my rules. So Isaac settled in Gerar. His wife, Rebecca, was very beautiful. The men of that place asked Isaac about Rebecca, and he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to tell them Rebecca was his wife. He was afraid the men would kill him so that they could have her. Now, do you girls remember (laughs) just a few chapters back when Abraham did the same lie, not once, but twice? This is one of those examples of how God's forgiveness supersedes anything we can ever do wrong. Isaac knows that this is a sin to lie. Isaac knows that God is with him. Isaac knows that the promise of God, it will overcome anything else in his way. But he still takes things into his own hands, and into his own shoulders and lies. <laughs> and the same thing happens again. But isn't it so beautiful that God's forgiveness still comes through? Even if we mess up and do the same thing that our parents did or whoever else did we still are under the promise of Christ. So listen to what happens. Verse eight, after Isaac had lived there a long time, Amalimek looked out of his window and saw Isaac and his wife enjoying one another. Amalimek called for Isaac and said, this woman is your wife. Why did you tell us that she was your sister? Isaac said to him, I was afraid you would kill me so that you could have her. Amalimek said, you have done a bad thing to us. One of our men might've had sex with your wife. Then he would be guilty of a great sin. So Amalek gave a warning to all the people and he said, no one must hurt this man or this woman. If anyone hurts them, they will be killed. So God still came through, even though Isaac sinned, God still came through. And that's what I want to encourage all of us with that. When we mess up, sis, it's not the end. Ask for forgiveness, repent of your sins and keep it moving. God God still has promise over your life. He still has favor over your life. Don't let it be the end of your story. Verse 12, Isaac planted fields in that place, and that year he gathered a great harvest. The Lord blessed him very much. Isaac became rich. He gathered more and more wealth until he became a very rich man. He had many flocks and herds of animals. He also had many slaves. All the Philistines were jealous of him. So they destroyed all the wells that Isaac's father Abraham and his servants had dug many years before. They filled them with sands. Amlamech said to Isaac, Leave our country. You become much more powerful than we are. So Isaac left that place and camped near the little river of Gerar. He stayed there and lived. Long before this time, Abraham had dug many wells. After he died, the Philistines filled the wells with sand. So Isaac went back and dug those wells again. He gave them the same names his father had given them. And Isaac's servants also dug a well near the little river and found fresh water. But the men who herded sheep in the valley of Gerar argued with Isaac's servants. They said, this water is ours. So Isaac named that well Esek. He gave it that name because it was the place where they had argued with him. And right here is a big demonstration, sisters, of why Abraham had so much wisdom when he said, no, no, no. I'm not going to take your land for free, right? I'm going to pay for this land and bury my wife there. This is the exact situation he was trying to avoid, that the descendants of those people would be like, "Uh uh-uh. Mm -mm. you may have had this before, but it never legally belonged to you, so we're going to take it. (laughs) So that's why it's so amazing how Abraham operated in wisdom, even during such a traumatic time. Verse 21, then Isaac's servants dug another well, but there was an argument over this well too. So Isaac named that well Sitna. Isaac moved from there and dug another well. No one came to argue about this well, so Isaac named it Rehoboth. He said, now the Lord has found a place for us. We will grow and be successful in this place. From there, Isaac went to Beersheba. The Lord spoke to him that night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Don't be afraid. I am with you and I will bless you. I will make your family great. I will do this because of my servant, Abraham. So Isaac built an altar and worshiped the Lord in that place. He set up camp there and his servants dug a well. Amalimek came from Gerar to see Isaac. He brought with him Ehuzeth, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army. Isaac asked, Why have you come to see me? You were not friendly to me before. You've been forced me to leave your country. They answered, Now we know that the Lord is with you. We think we should make an agreement. We want you to make a promise to us. We did not hurt you. Now you should promise not to hurt us. We sent you away, but we sent you away in peace. Now it's clear that the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac gave a party for them. They ate and drank. Early the next morning, each man made a promise and a vow, then the men left in peace. On that day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. The servants said, We found water in that well. So Isaac named it Sheba, and that city is still called Beersheba. When Esau was 40 years old, he married two Hittite women. One was Judith, the daughter of Beery, The other was Basement, the daughter of Elon. These marriages made Isaac and Rebekah very unhappy. And in these verses, we can see again that Esau just did not have the heart and the grit to carry on that promise like Abraham did. Like, remember when Abraham sent his servant to find Rebecca, right? To find a wife for his daughter. What did he say? Don't let Isaac marry one of these women in these towns. (laughs) So Isaac and Rebecca got married, which is fantastic because Rebecca's from Abraham's family. She's his niece. And then, and back then, I know now, nowadays we would never, right? But back then, that's how they carried on the family bloodline. Um, And then, now Rebecca and Isaac have children. And one of those children does exactly what Abraham was trying to avoid in the first place. And it just shows you that Esau just did not have the heart to carry this legacy. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we're like, why did God choose me for this, right? Why did God give me this vision? Why did God give me this legacy, this destiny to step into, this purpose? It's, it would be so much better if that person were doing it or if this person were doing it. Sis, God looks at the heart. And if he chose you to do that thing, he knows that your heart and your grit and your willingness is exactly what is necessary to usher that legacy in. Just the simple fact that God gave you the vision shows you are qualified to achieve it. Because, yeah, maybe the circumstances don't make sense. Jacob was the second born. It doesn't make sense that he would be the one whose bloodline leads to Christ. It doesn't make sense. He's the second born. But Jesus looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And he purposed you the way he purposed you because you have what you need inside of you to get it done. And that alone is all the proof that you need that your purpose will come to pass. Verse or chapter 27, Isaac grew old and his eyes became so weak that he could not see clearly. One day he called his older son Esau to him and said, son, Esau answered, here I am. Isaac said, I'm old, maybe I'll die soon. So take your bow and arrows and go hunting. Kill an animal for me to eat. Prepare the food that I love bring it to me and I will eat it. Then I will bless you before I die. So Esau went hunting. Rebecca was listening when Isaac told this to his son Esau. So let me pause here and remind you girls that God always positions us in a a place to step into our purpose. This is why he gave Rebecca that vision before her sons were even born. This is why this moment right here, Is why he told her what was going to come to pass so that she could make sure she was in the right position to ensure Jacob gets the blessing and continues the promise that was given to Abraham. This is the moment right here. And I love how God always prepares us for this. So Rebecca was listening when Isaac told this to his son Esau. verse Verse six, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, listen, I heard your father talking to your brother Esau. Your father said, kill an animal for me to eat. Prepare the food for me and I will eat it. Then, with the Lord as witness, I will bless you before I die. So listen, son, and do what I tell you. Go out to our goats and bring me two young ones. I will prepare them the way your father loves them. Then you will carry the food to your father and he will bless you before he dies. But Jacob told his mother, Rebekah, my brother Esau is a very hairy man. I'm not hairy like him. If my father touches me, he will know that I'm not Esau. Then he will not bless me. He will curse me because I tried to trick him. So Rebekah said to him, I will accept the blame if there is trouble. Do what I said. Go get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got two goats and bought them to his mother. His mother cooked the goats in the special way that Isaac loved. Then Rebekah took the clothes that her older son Esau loved to wear. She put those clothes on the younger son Jacob. She took the skins of the goats and put them on Jacob's hand and on his neck. Then she got the food she had cooked and gave it to Jacob. Jacob went to his father and said, Father, His father answered, Yes, son, who are you? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your first son. I've done what you told me. Now sit up and eat the meat from the animals that I hunted for you. Then you can bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How have you hunted and killed the animals so quickly? Jacob answered, Because the Lord your God allowed me to find the animals quickly. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near to me so that I can feel you, my son. If I can feel you, I'll know if you're really my son Esau. So Jacob went to Isaac, his father. Isaac felt him and said, your voice sounds like Jacob's voice, but your arms are hairy like the arms of Esau. Isaac did not know it was Jacob because his arms were hairy like Esau's. So Isaac blessed Jacob. Isaac said, are you really my son Esau? Jacob answered, yes, I am. And you know, what's so interesting about this moment is that this deception That Jacob is doing right now is going to be done right back to him from his uncle Laban. Remember, I was telling you, keep in mind, Laban, Laban, Laban. (laughs) So later on, we're going to hear about how Laban deceives Jacob so bad. Um, So, uh, yeah, it always comes back around whenever we do something that is outside of God's will, like how he wanted us to actually do it. There is always a consequence, but it does not cancel out the promise that God has for us because God still uses Jacob to continue the bloodline to Christ. Verse 25. Then Isaac said, bring me the food. I will eat it and bless you. So Jacob gave him the food and he ate it. Then Jacob gave him some wine and he drank it. Then Isaac said to him, son, come near and kiss me. So Jacob went to his father and kissed him. When Isaac smelled Esau's clothes, he blessed him and said, My son smells like the fields the Lord has blessed. May God give you plenty of rain, good crops, and wine. May the nations serve you, and many and many people bow down to you. You will rule over your brothers. Your mother's sons will bow down to you and obey you. Whoever curses you will be cursed, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Verse thirty. Isaac finished blessing Jacob, then just as Jacob left for his father left his father Isaac, Esau came in from hunting. Esau prepared the food in the special way his father loved. He brought it to his father and said, Father, I'm your son. Get up and eat the meat from the animals that I killed for you. Then you can bless me. But Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your first son, Esau. Then Isaac became so upset that he began to shake. He said, Then who was it that cooked and brought me food before you came? I ate it all, and I blessed him. Now it's too late to take back my blessing. When Esau heard his father's words, he became very angry and bitter. He cried out and said to his father, Then bless me also, father. Isaac said, Your brother tricked me. He came and took your blessing. Esau said, His name is Jacob. That's the right name for him. He has tricked me twice. He took away my rights as the firstborn son. And now he's taken away my blessing. Then Esau said, Have you saved any blessing for me? Isaac answered, I've already given Jacob the power to rule over you, and I said all his brothers would be his servants. I've given him the blessing for much grain and wine. There's nothing left to give you, my son. But Esau continued to beg his father, Do you have only one blessing, father? Bless me also, father. Esau began to cry. Then Isaac said to him, You will not live on good land. You will not have much rain. You will have to fight to live, and you will be a slave to your brother. But when you fight to be free, you will break from his control. After that, Esau hated Jacob because of this blessing. Esau said to himself, My father will soon die, and after we're finished with that, I will kill Jacob. Rebekah heard about Esau's plan to kill Jacob. She sent for Jacob and said to him, Listen, your brother Esau is planning to kill you. So son, do what I say. My brother Laban is living in Haran. Go to him and hide. Stay with him for a short time until your brother stops being angry when your brother forgets what you did to him, I will send a servant to bring you back. I don't want to lose both of my sons the same day. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, your son Esau married Hittite women. I'm very upset about this because they're not our people. I'll have nothing to live for if Jacob marries one of these women. And here's the, (laughs) what's so sad. So that's the end of chapter 27. What's so sad is that unfortunately Rebecca's going to end up passing away while Jacob's gone, this is the last time he's going to be with his mother. And and it's so sad to me because even though Rebecca was right in, in what she was thinking, right? She knows what God told her. She knows that that promise should be Jacob's. And so she positioned Jacob to be able to get that blessing from Isaac. But the way she did it, that's what started this whole thing. Um, this, this actually the rift between the brothers already existed because Esau didn't really respect his birthright. (laughs) That's how it even exists in the first place. But had Rebecca just gone to Isaac and said, this is what God told me, Isaac would have probably been like, Hey, let me pray about this first. Right. And then God would have told him the same thing because God is not the kind of God who gives two conflicting messages. So there was a right way to do this. There was a better way for Jacob to get that blessing without deceiving Isaac. And even though her intention was good, what she taught her son to deceive and to lie, oh, it's not good. And we'll end up seeing her brother do the same thing to her son. So karma is a real thing. What we put out is what we get back. That's what Genesis says, right? God cannot be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. Um, So we got to make sure that even as we're stepping into our promise and into our blessing, the purpose God has for us, that we do it in a way that aligns with his word. It is not okay to take shortcuts to step into our God-given purpose. That is not okay. It's really not. And even though it's so important, like for me with this, with God that will grow missions, right? It is not okay for me to be like, ooh, Let me be disobedient as a business owner. Let me be real shady and shicey as a business owner to get as much short term profit as I can so I can start Gathergo missions. That would be awful because now God of Gore missions will just be tainted and anything that we ever do will always come with the bad reputation of how I got it in the first place. It's kind of like those billionaires who, you know, made their money by scamming people and now they try to be um, ph- philanthropists and you're like, please, boy, bye. <laughs> you are a terrible human being. I don't care how many millions you donate to not-for-profits. You are a terrible person. You scam people. <laughs> you know, like that is the thing we have to always be thinking about. Karma is a real thing. And consequences are a real thing. And so we don't want to take shortcuts when it comes to stepping into our destiny. If there is an opportunity before you, it's going to help you on your purpose journey and get closer to the vision God gave you. Align it with God's word. Does this opportunity align with what God tells me to do in His word? If yes, woo, praise Jesus. If no, sis, that is not the opportunity. That is not the path you should take. There's always going to be another option because Isaac and Rebecca had a great relationship and I don't, I don't know why she didn't just go up to him and let him know what God told her because he had demonstrated before that he was willing to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to show him the right thing when she couldn't get pregnant. So I'm not quite sure why. And that's one of the questions that I probably have for her when we meet up in heaven, (laughs) but we can take a lesson from this. That if there's an opportunity that takes us closer to living our God-given purpose, we need to make sure that it aligns with what the Word of God says we need to live like, okay? Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, Stephanie, to be honest with you, I haven't even started my business yet. (laughs) I know God wants me to start a business. I know God has for me to be a Christian entrepreneur. I know that's the purpose and legacy I am meant to fulfill, but I'm not quite sure how to get started yet. My love, I have a free Christian business toolkit for you that'll show you the five fundamental steps of getting started with your Christian business online. You can get it for free by going to purposegift.com slash business kit. That's purposegift.com businesskit business kit. The link is in the description box of this episode. If you're like, well, Stephanie, starting a Christian business sounds amazing, but to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure I'm a Christian my love, I have great news for you too. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And what that means is being a Christian is trusting in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you want to make that decision today, it's very, very simple. All you got to do is say this prayer with me. You're going to say, dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again. Today, I believe in you as my personal Lord and Savior. Sister in Christ, if you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. Angels are literally celebrating you right now. Your name has been written in the book of life. Nobody can take it out. Get into a Bible-based church in your area and get started reading the word of God. It's truly so beautiful. I always recommend starting with the book of John because it's like the Lord's love letter to you. If you rewind a few episodes here on this podcast, you can join in with me and listen to the episodes where we dive into the book of John. Oh, there's so much blessing in that book. Sisters in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you complete and total purpose over your body, mind, and soul in the name of Jesus and give you peace, mercy, and favor forever and ever. Amen. So that's it for today's episode of the God The Wood Girl Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study. Have any questions? DM me anytime on Instagram or send an email to hello at godthewoodgirl.com. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to grab my free Find Your Purpose Toolkit to help you get started living God's purpose for your life at purposegift.com. Thanks for listening, God The Wood Girl. I'll see you on the next one.